Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to seeing my brother, Jim Trotter. Jim, welcome to Brother from Another. Good to see you, man. How you doing? It's, it's always a pleasure to see you. You know that, Michael Holly. Hey, man, I'll tell you, it's even more of a pleasure today since you are wearing one of the iconic logos on that hoodie that you have on the Seattle Supersonics. Shout out to our fans in the Pacific Northwest. Shout out, Seattle. You deserve a team. You deserve a team. And <laughs> that team, that team should be called the Supersonics. Don't don't change it up. Don't call it like some one of these singular sports team names like the Kraken there in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> the Heat. The Miami Heat. It's, it's always confusing. Like these singular sports team names. Give me a, a good plural name like the Supersonics. Oh, oh and, and you know, Jim, I love going there. I mean, you covered the NFL for many years at a high level. And so you you still have reason to go to Seattle for the Seahawks. But I used to love when I covered the NBA, I used to love that that little swing. So we go Portland uh, to the Rose Garden. It was called in. I don't know what they call it now. They still call it the Rose Garden. Probably not. Uh, corporate yeah. corporate naming is taking over. So I used to go to the Rose Garden in Portland. Then make the trip to Seattle in Key Arena. And then after the trip to Seattle, where would we go? Vancouver. Oh, what a trip. <laughs> Vancouver, BC for the Vancouver Grizzlies. But that's old school. Uh, I used to miss, uh, I, I missed that trip. Let me ask you this. That uh, really, no, that really was one of the best swings in the right. NBA. That really was one of the best swings in the NBA. Look, my second job out of college was in Tacoma, Washington. And so I got to go. At times oh, I didn't know I that. Lucky. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was a high school writer, community writer at that time, and they would throw me a bone every now and then and say, hey, you can go write a sidebar at the, at the uh, Supersonics game. And the atmosphere there was just tremendous. And so when you think about it, as you were just talking about that swing from Portland to Seattle to Vancouver, which is one of the great cities in North America as well, um, just phenomenal. And I, and I, I, I hate that the NBA writers of today – have not been able to experience that because everyone looked forward to that trip that I know of. And you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to praise one group while knocking down another group. I just want to just point out that we swapped out Seattle for Oklahoma City. I'm not hating, <laughs> but Seattle, <laughs> Seattle was replaced by Oklahoma City. And Vancouver, ooh, ooh, I'm going to make some enemies now. Vancouver <laughs> was replaced by Memphis. Vancouver, Memphis. I don't know. I mean, look, look. Uh, you so you, know, you, uh, some, people might, some people might take the Memphis, Oklahoma City option. <laughs> I'm you, going, you really? I'm going, <laughs> I'm yeah, going Seattle, Vancouver. You're going to get trouble right off the top, huh? You're going to get right, us in trouble right. right off the top. I got you. And, and you know what? Okay. Uh, but I'm, at least I'm getting us in trouble. It's you and it's me. I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for you. So if I do it, if I do something, I'm going somewhere here. If I do it, I'm not going to blame Gary Carter for making me do it. 
I'm not going to blame Natalie for making me do it. I'm not going to blame Matt Casey and Courtney Gustafson on different shows down the line for making me do it. No, no, I got the mic and I'm going to take responsibility. Unlike some of these millennial coaches in the National Football League. Jim, I see that you have escape goat season in the NFL. I don't know what your take is on it. I think I'm going to agree with you though, because I'm looking at some of these firings from these coaches and I'm thinking, okay, so what's your, your, your messaging is your messaging is things didn't go well and it's not your fault. It's not. I know they'll spin it into well. I'm being accountable. It, the buck stops with me. It starts and stops here. So I've got to make tough decisions. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe a, maybe a, a real a, a more noble decision is to say what you did to put your team in this situation and not blame people down the line. I, Jim, I'm shocked. The L.A. Chargers blew a 27 zip lead in a playoff game and they fired the quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator. Yeah. What? Look, I, I, I would say this what? to you. <laughs> I know. I would say this to you. Um, what this is to me is about a day and age now where I'm going to make changes to keep my job. It is not about I think they did a poor job it is about ownership that says, if you want to stay on the sideline in that position, you got to make some changes. Some co- some coaches do, and some don't. I'll give you a for yeah. instance. Last year, this ve- or not last year, but a couple of years ago, this very same franchise, the Chargers, it was known that they wanted some changes on the coaching staff. Anthony Lynn, who is a man of character, said, not doing it. And what happened? Anthony Lynn got fired. And you and I have talked about this. You and I have talked about this in the past with Marty Schottenheimer going all the way back to Cleveland. The ownership, Art Modell wanted changes on the staff. Marty Schottenheimer said, I'm not making those changes. And so what happened? Marty was out in Cleveland. So to me, it's it's when I when I use that phrase scapegoat, look, Byron Leftwich is taking the fall for some of the things that went on in Tampa. And right. a few years a few years ago, before Tom Brady arrived, what did that offense look like with Byron Leftwich running it with Jameis Winston? It put up tremendous numbers in terms of the pass game, a 5,000-yard passing season, I think 33 touchdown passes. It so happens Jameis Winston also threw 30 interceptions. Are we going to put that right. on Byron Leftwich? But anyway, that, that offense was, was, was one of the better offenses or more productive offenses in the NFL that year. Tom comes in, and what does he do? First two years, he puts up all these crazy numbers, and and we want to give credit solely to Tom Brady. And now that there's a bad year, and Brady doesn't play well, and Mike Evans doesn't play well, and whatnot. Preach! Now, preach, now preach, Byron preach. Yeah, no, it's Byron Leftwich's fault. I mean, come on here. What are we doing here? And the thing that bothers me most about this, Michael, if I can be completely frank here, is that when you do something like this, it attacks the character of these men who are being let go, particularly a guy like Byron Leftwich, who we know last year had an opportunity to be the head coach at Jacksonville and decided to pull out because he didn't feel the situation was right. Um, But Byron Leftwich is a good football coach. 
Byron Leftwich is a good uh, offensive football coach. Byron Leftwich played quarterback in the NFL. He knows the position and whatnot. His offenses have have put up numbers prior to Tom Brady even being there. So it's just curious to me that one bad season, and what's the reaction? You're out. And I have not talked to Todd Bowles about this yet, but I have to believe that for him to keep his job, there needed to be changes made on that staff. And that's the unfortunate thing that, that Byron Leftwich ended up being one of the people who was let go. See, there's a lot there. You said a lot of good stuff there, uh, Jim. I agree with it all. I agree with it all. This is not one of those contrived, I got to disagree with Trotter to make it better. No, no, <laughs> we don't do that. I, I, I agree with everything you said. And I'll start here. You know, one of the things that makes me cringe when I hear teams do it, it makes me cringe, although it's accurate. When they do like a, when they break it down, uh, family on three, one, two, three, family. You know, you hear like basketball teams do that sometimes. Football teams do that when they go into a huddle and they break on family. Well, some families have your back. Some families will come together. They can talk about each other. But if you try to come at them, no, no, this is a united front. And you're not going after our brother. You're not going after our sister. Not on our watch. We do this together. And some families turn on each other. And so I think, yeah, one, two, three family. We're seeing the families that kind of turn on each other. Yeah, during the season, hey, we're in this together. Hey, hey, nobody outside of this locker room understands. We're in this. Come on. This is a brotherhood. But then when it comes down to it, what do you do, as you pointed out, when the owner comes to you and says, all right, you're going to keep your job and do what I want, or are you going to stand by your principles? And some people stand by their principles and say, you keep the damn job. Keep You, you got the job. I know I can coach. I know I'll land somewhere else. It may take, I, I may go on a two-year detour. Uh, it may be a three-year detour, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up uh, on the right side of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to sleep at night and keep my conscience because I'm going to make the right decision. And, and l- let me just get to Tom Brady here for a second. Tom Brady's a coach killer. He is. Hmm. Now, hmm. He is, he's a coach killer. If Elaborate. You, and, and I, let, let's, let me just go back. Okay, Brian Flores told us last year about almost a year ago, Brian Flores came out with his lawsuit, uh, racial uh, discriminatory hiring practices against the National Football League. And in that in that in that paperwork, we learned all sorts of things about the Miami Dolphins, how they incentivized him to lose the Dolphins paid the price, by the way. Sorry, Stephen Ross, you don't think you did anything wrong. Yeah, well, a suspension and and lost income or, or, or a fine says otherwise from the NFL and draft says one of the worst things and draft Roger Goodell said it was one of the worst things he's ever seen that that's in print. You can look and look that up well documented. But one of the things that was going to happen Tom Brady. He's always around when coaches are losing their jobs. So Tom Brady and Sean Payton were going to come in Brian Flores out Tua Tunga Vailoa out. Sean Payton and Tom Brady in. That's one. That was going to happen. That whole plan blew up. So they were going to do that. So it, it, uh, by by extension, you can say Tom Brady was fine with that plan. So Brian Flores, a guy who was on his staff in New England, loses his job. So be it. It's what I it's what I need. 
It's what Tom Brady needs. Now let's go to let's go let's go second year in Tampa. He followed he he retires after that second year in Tampa. Then he comes back. <laughs> then all of a sudden Bruce Arians is like whoa whoa. Oh I've been retired here. I'm retired. So Bruce Arians retires. Tom Brady, hey, well, you know, hey, I have a great relationship with Bruce. Now that Bruce is up in the booth, now third year in Tampa. Byron Leftwich couldn't couldn't stop loving on Byron Leftwich in 2020. Hey, he's a great play caller. He's a great mind. I really enjoy it. They were great in 2020 on offense. They were great in 2021 on offense. They were not great in 2022. I'm sure Byron Leftwich could have been better in 2022. Let's not let him off the hook. He could have been better in 22. You know who else could have been better in 22? You know who else could have been better? Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Brady. Hey, man, you're the leader of the team. And I know this could sound insensitive to some people, but so be it. Everybody got problems. He's not the only one going through a divorce. He's not the only one going through personal problems away from the facility. A lot of guys, you can't tell me that coaches and players and staff for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that everything was smooth for them in their personal lives last summer. But Tom Brady's the only one who went away for 11 days. Dude, you can't go away for 11 days and then expect everything is going to be fine in training camp. Furthermore, Robert Kraft gets married in New York on a Friday. Tom Brady on a Friday goes to New York for the wedding, misses a walkthrough on a Saturday in Pittsburgh, then shows up in Pittsburgh yelling at his teammates because they're not performing at a high level. They lose that game. Now Byron Leftwich has lost his job. So it's all about Tom. And I, I look, I, I respect him. You don't, let's not get into this. Oh, you, you hating on Brady. I'm just telling the truth about Brady because I've seen him and I still think he's the greatest player I've ever seen greatest quarterback I've ever seen uh, in NFL history, but he deserves he deserves some some of this finger pointing too. but you know what Byron Leftwich lost his job. Uh, Bruce Arians lost his job and Tom Brady will go on to the next go on to the next location. Probably not Tampa wherever it is. Get the graveyards ready. You're going to need some Michael. more space because Tom Brady, there's going to be some coaching tombstones there too when Tom Brady comes to your city. What did we talk about before the season? And I said to you, I didn't think Tampa was going to make the playoffs. And had it not been for them being in a, in, in a horrible division, they would not have made it. That said, why did I say that to you? And I told you at the time, when you think about retirement, there is this adage that you are already retired. And he had already retired and then came back. So his mind was not right, in my opinion, from Jump Street. The second thing is, if you watch Tom Brady this year, when he was in New England, one of the things you saw is that he was willing to stand in that pocket and take the hit to deliver the pass. When I watched Tom Brady this year, when I Mm -hmm. watched him this year, I saw a quarterback who did not want to stand in the pocket and take the hit to deliver the pass. And I'm like you. I'm not hating on Tom Brady. I think he's the greatest quarterback ever in the history of this game. And that's coming from a guy who is a San Francisco native and who had sworn for decades there would never be another quarterback greater than Joe Montana. Okay? 
And I'm saying that Tom Brady is the greatest. But I also know this, when you get older, things change. Your game changes. And look, if everything is perfect around him, if the pocket is clean, he can still sling it with the best of them, I believe. But that ain't the game in Tampa, and we knew that when they lost three offensive linemen at the start of the season that that was not going to be it. And so, again, he did not play well this year. Mike Evans did not play well this year. Leonard Fournette did not play well this year. The offensive line did not play well this year. And so for Byron Leftwich and, and Clyde Christensen and others to take the fall for that, I just think it's terrible. And the other thing is you say Tom's going to go on to his next stop. This better be a buyer, buyer beware for whatever that next team is because you are not getting the Tom Brady, the one who won seven Super Bowls. You're not. You're getting a quarterback who is older, who doesn't want to be hit, and and if I'm if I'm reading this right from what I saw this year, I can't say that his commitment to football is 100% beyond everything else as it used to be. And that's just that's how yeah. I feel about it. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean to to go into a situation where you you know your quarterback doesn't want to be hit. And I heard somebody talking. I can't remember. I want to give credit. Um, and look, no quarterback wants I, I to be hit. Let, let's acknowledge right, that. No quarterback wants to be hit, they, right? They don't They don't want it, but Correct. you usually don't know that. <laughs> it, it, it's, not a, it's not that obvious. And if, I, if I'm one of his teammates, if they dare, if they dare and go back and watch that film from the wild card game against Dallas, I wouldn't watch that together. If I'm Tom Brady, I wouldn't sit there and watch <laughs> that with my teammates because that's embarrassing. They, those guys know, especially the defensive players. Defensive players know when you don't want any kind of contact. They can sit, so the defensive players on his team sitting there watching that film, seeing him skip passes, you know, release the ball early. He threw that interception in the in the end zone. It was six zip because uh, uh. of the extra point because of the extra point situation. We'll talk about that later. But it was six zip. Tampa has a first and goal situation. Looks like they're going to score something. It'd be 6-3, if not 7-6. Okay, they got a kicker who can make extra points. And Tom Brady doesn't want to get hit, and he tries to throw it away in the back of the end zone interception. That was all because he didn't want to get hit. He had about, I'm going to say at least a half dozen of those throws, probably more since he threw the ball 66 times, Jim. (laughs) 66 times in a playoff game. So how, how can I go in to a season knowing everything? My quarterback will be fine unless things aren't perfect. It's football. Things will be imperfect. Absolutely. Alignment's going to get Absolutely. beat. The best of them. The best of them. Your, your best Absolutely. guard, your best tackle is going to get beat. And your quarterback's going to get it- hit. Yeah. And what it also said to me, it was a reflection that he had absolutely no confidence in those people in front of him. Right? Because if you're already shying away from that contact before it even arrives, which we saw at times this year, it tells me that you don't believe in those guys up front. And I'm not saying he should believe in them because they didn't play well up front. But the reality is when you play that position, you make a deal with the devil that there are times you're going to have to give it up to get something. You have to give something to get something. And what you give is your body to get that big play. 
And what I saw at various points this season is that Tom was not willing to give that. So if you are that team who is going to court him to play for you next season, just know that. Just know it. And then, and then how are you going to do that? I mean, how are you going to do? I, I'll say this. The last thing I'll say about Brady, because uh, I kind of want to get a, I, I want to get in a word on Sean McVay too. Um, what you got on Sean? Say, I want to hear this. Okay, uh, just just on Brady, real quick. I'll say, look, if I need a great offensive line, if I need uh, a, a tight end who can take the pressure off me. Uh, I need a great offensive scheme. I need a good running back. I don't know between the tackles back and a third down back. I mean, okay, yeah. D- don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? Like how how many That's times can you create you. that? How many times can you create that situation? Give him credit. He did in 2020. They did. They did in 2020 because you had Mike Evans, a younger Mike Evans, three years younger Mike Evans. You had Godwin who was healthy. Uh, the the answer was yes. They traded for Gronk, so you had Gronk in there. Uh, they were a good offense the year before, but remember Bruce Arians? They asked him. I think it was at the scouting combine. They said, "Hey, what do you, what does your team need? What, what's the biggest difference with your team, or what what what's the problem?" He said, "Quarterback." He said he, just, hmm. he just said it flat out. That's before they had Brady. He said quarterback, and he even put it out probably some tampering. He was like, "Hey, we need to, if we can get Tom Brady, we'll be in good shape." He knew that. The infrastructure was in place, and then Brady made it better because he added a couple more. They drafted uh, you know, a tackle in the first round. I think they drafted Tristan Works there. So th- they were able to support him, but that's rare. It's rare that a team is going to have all of that infrastructure already in place, and then all you got to do is just tweak it a little bit, and now you got a, a championship ready offense. This is what I want to say about McVay quickly. I think last I think uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about his career crisis. I think that was passive-aggressive Sean McVay. You may think that's unfair. It's just the way I look at it. He's going through his career crisis at 36 years old. Yeah, I'm making fun of him. He's 36 years old. Been in two Super Bowls. Won one of them. Got a new contract last year. And the stories that were leaked about McVay. Oh, so much happening in his life. He got married. That's a good thing, right? Right? Got married. Won the Super Bowl. Another good thing. Um, got a new contract. Uh, that's a good thing. And uh, TV stations, networks were reaching out to him because they were they, they were tempting him with more income. So that's the crisis. He had all this stuff going on in his world. And he has his first losing season of his career. Join the club with Don Shula and Bill Belichick and Chuck Knoll and Tom Landry, all these Hall of Fame coaches. They've had losing seasons. Marty Schottenheimer, all these great coaches have had Bill Cower. Lots of coaches have had losing seasons, Sean. You're not the first one. He tells you, but here's my here's, here's my tip off. Here's my tip off. Here's my tip off, Trotter. He told his coaches, you can look, you know, it, I'll give you permission. To look for another job, right? Then he fires five assistant coaches. That is some weak ish right there. That is so weak. Just fire him. You want to fire? Was that all? Was this all a ruse? Because you just wanted to fire the guys. You didn't know how to do it. You wanted them to 
fire themselves first before you had to do it? Come on, man. Well, Five how is that coaches? People so that weird. you like, people that you like, you try and let them go softly. And what do I mean by that? Look at Arizona. They fired Cliff uh, Kingsbury, but Steve Kime is stepping away permanently. So, and yeah. we know that Steve Kime and the owner have a very close relationship. So I'm right. sure Sean has a close relationship with these coaches he let, he, that he let go and was trying to let them, you know, do it on their terms, so to speak, until it got to the point he had to answer when he decided he was coming back. Look, I'll say this to you, Michael. I, I don't I don't know Sean McVay well enough personally to say what his motivations were. Um, I do know that even before the Super Bowl, there had been talk about him stepping away. And was that a ruse to get more money on an extension? Could be. I can't say that it was yeah. or that it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I will say this now. This coming season, it is all on Sean McVay. Because now you are back to getting the coaches that you want. You and want? you are returning for the... Yep, all of that. All the guys like Brandon Staley talked about, the guys who are hungry, who have the vision that I have yep. for how it should be done. All of these okay. things. Let's it's see. on you now. Yeah, it's on you. I don't want to hear. I, be no accountable. Excuses. Yep. Be accountable. Like, why, why, why do you have to? You know, you know who lost their job after twenty-eight to three. When, when, when the uh, Falcons blew a twenty-eight to three lead in the Super Bowl, not in a wild card game, in the Super Bowl, did Dan Quinn lose his job? No, he didn't. Kyle Shanahan got a promotion. He got a head coaching job. Nobody lost their job because. The team blew a 25-point lead in the biggest game of their lives. You don't always have to settle it that way. Go to the root of the problem. And sometimes the root of the problem is the head man. Anyway. Or, or that's just about. it is the real or, head man or woman oh, who is at the top of that's the organization. Right. Oh, that's true. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's a lot of truth right there. Yeah, we, we know that we're the defending AFC champions, you know, and so there, there's an edge to this team where we're not an underdog to anybody. And so I, I think that's that's just been the feeling we've had all season. We don't really care what anybody else says about us. 
um, we know we belong in the field with every team in this league. I always enjoy going on the road. It's uh, just you and your guys. feels like it's you against the world, and that's that's where we like to be. Do you feel like an underdog going into this game? I never feel like an underdog. One of my favorite guys in the league, man, Joe Burrow. I love I'm listening telling to Joe you. Burrow. Just the, I'm telling you, just the confidence, just the, the swag, man. He's got it. It's just very natural. Uh, great charisma from Burrow. Now, we spent Trotter roughly 25, 26 minutes agreeing with one another, confirming one another's takes. Now, I think we're going to disagree because I, I, I got to sit upright for this. Yeah, yeah. I think the I Bengals, as right. it says there, I think the Bengals are the AFC's best team, which you could disagree with. But you think that Bengals Bills should be a neutral site game. It's going to be a great game, uh, regardless of where it is. It happens to be in Orchard Park, New York, um, on Sunday. But why do you think this game should be a neutral site one? Well, first of all, we agree on the AFC. I think the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. Um, so that's first. Second, I think it should be a neutral site game from this standpoint. Um, we know how the league came up with its decision on how um, it was going to structure things without counting that Buffalo-Cincinnati game. And since the game earlier this season, late in the season, was in Cincinnati between the Bills and the Bengals, and the Bengals were leading early in that game, to me, I always had the Bengals winning that game. That was just my viewpoint. And so I feel like now they're being penalized in a way, having to go on the road and play at Buffalo in a playoff game um, when really they may have been the better team all along and it didn't get, they didn't get to prove it that night. So that's just my take on it. I think just to make it right, go play it at a neutral side game and let the better team win. But, I, but and this is, is, is strong here, I agree with Zach Taylor. And I agree with Joe Burrow. And my attitude is always, look, you know what? If you're the best, you'll win anywhere. Um, it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that we have seen wildcard teams win the Super Bowl. And I still believe that Cincinnati is the best team in the AFC. And I believe that it will go on the road and do what has to be done. Yeah. And, and let's not further this, uh, further the precedent of neutral site games in the playoffs. Right. Short of the Super Bowl. Now I think as a matter yeah, of fact, but, uh, come the Super Bowl, yeah, right? But uh, yeah, but come on, Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this, these right. circumstances were so unprecedented. That I know, you're right, and, I and would, that's fine. Yeah, and you you can go with. You know what? We never we never even had to get there. They were unprecedented, but as a result of the unprecedented circumstances, you know who stood tallest? Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor. They stood tall. No question. It was no hey, question. Hey. Hey, uh, whatever. And and McDermott said it. We, we heard it in that press conference, that initial press conference where he's uh, on the dais with Josh Allen. He said, I said to the team, you want to go out there and hear the consequences. If you don't play, they'll probably we can't take a loss in this game. We might forfeit or whatever. And they said, we don't care. So that was the right decision. But because of Absolutely. that decision, I feel like it should have just gone to winning percentages. So it shouldn't be a neutral site. I don't think Atlanta should be a neutral site for the uh, conference championship. Listen, because of the percentages, Kansas City's your true one, Buffalo's your true two, Cincinnati's your true three, and you live with it. And you live with I'm it. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. 
I, I mean, yeah, I'm good with that. So I, I don't think there's a big disagreement with it. I just think that this one game, in my opinion, I'm not even talking about a conference final. I just think these two teams, because these were the two teams who were involved in that game, right? That changed everything. Yeah. To me, yeah. the two of them, just put it on a neutral side and let them play. Or if anything, put it back in Cincinnati where the earlier game was and and do it that way. That's just how I feel. But But having said that, Cincinnati, if you are the team that I think you are, go out and handle business and do what you got to do. And we'll see you down in Glendale, Arizona. Mm, well, 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 <laughs> on the way, so I know <laughs> they do what they no, got to do. You, you uh, go, you're going to say I jumped over Kansas City there and you're right. Yeah, yeah, when you beat 18, yeah. when you beat 18 three times in a calendar year, um, I'm going to make you the favorite over that team. If you play it a fourth time, and what would that be? 13 months, Kansas 14 City? months? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I want to talk about, uh, forget about neutral sites. I want to talk about your area. I want to talk about where young, <laughs> where young Jim Trotter did his damage back in the day. Loving Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers because that game will be well it's not really San Francisco though Santa Clara it's right. not really San Francisco right. but you got you well, got Cowboys Dallas, Dallas isn't really Dallas I know I know I just I just like kind of like throwing that like Santa and New Clara York is isn't really New York and, and New York yeah, but it's close isn't enough. really New York hey Jersey is closer to New York City than Santa Clara is to San Francisco that's a hump that is a real that's a real drive right no, I mean, it's, it's right there. It's only a, you, no, you wait, and, hold on. It's only a real Jersey, drive because of the traffic you can see New involved. York. It's only a real drive it. because of the traffic involved. Man, when I'm in the Meadowlands, I can reach across and touch New York City. I can just touch it. Anyway, San Francisco, Dallas this weekend. I have uh, backed myself into a corner, arguing with Michael Smith. And so now I'm in a corner and I'm just going to make it worse. I'm going to stay in the corner. I'm going to burrow myself into a kernel. No, no, uh, not Joe Burrow. I'm going to burrow myself into this corner because I think that Dallas is going to blow out the Purdy's. Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. I like Dallas in this. I keep waiting for Purdy to Purdy. And maybe this is the game for it. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. That Brock Purdy you're is wrong. a real deal. And he's not. Okay. Tell me why. You you're wrong, and and he is the real deal. And what if you wanted, you could just play back Vinny's comments from yesterday. Um, let me tell you something. When when I was at the game where Jimmy Garoppolo went down in the first quarter, and Brock Purdy came in, and I always say this: I don't get caught up in stats and all of that. The first thing I look for is how does a player conduct himself. What I mean by that is, can you see nerves? Does the moment appear too big for him? And in that moment where he stepped in, remember, they were playing a Miami team that was hot at the time, wanted to make a statement yeah. on the road, all of that. And Brock Purdy stepped in that game, and it was like he was a 12-year veteran. Now, everything wasn't perfect, but what you saw is that the moment was not too big for him. Now go to last week's playoff game. Was there again. Early on, I thought I saw a few jitters playing in the playoffs Me for too. the first time. But after that yeah. first quarter of that first half, what did he do? He settled in. And again, what is so great for him is that he has truly one of the all-time great play designers in Kyle Shanahan. And if you watch many of his throws, I mean, he's got a player running wide open. 
and that that comes from play design in part. And all he does, and he will say this repeatedly, is all I have to do is distribute the ball to our playmakers and let them do what they do. And that's when you see all of these yards after catch that we see. So I don't see that being an issue here in terms of all of a sudden Purdy is going to look like the rookie or the last pick in the draft. I think this guy is for real. And and I thought Vance Joseph said something really interesting to me last week. Vance Joseph, defense coordinator of the Cardinals. Cardinals were the last team to play the 49ers this season in the regular season. And Vance said that this guy performs like a veteran. And I said, well, Vance, how does a guy like this go to the last pick in the draft? And he said something that was really interesting to me. He said, mm. because he started for four years in college. And he said, so yeah. there is a bigger book on him for teams to nitpick oh, things. That's good. He said, I like that. When you see a when you see a Trubisky or you see a Kenny Pickett or somebody who might have only one year and they have a that great one year, there's not as much to look at. And so you base a lot of your evaluation on that one year. And the thing that he loves about Brock Purdy is the man has played a lot of football. And so now getting into a situation like this, it's not foreign to him. And and that's why I think we are not going to see Brock Purdy fall off the cliff, so to speak, as we go through these playoffs. I like that. I like I like that. And I love I love that insight from Vance Joseph. It makes a lot of sense. I'll say this as we uh, uh, head to break and uh, we'll get to uh, Dr. Jason Johnson on the other side. I'll, I'll say I don't think he's faced a defense quite like Dallas. The kind of pressure Dallas can put on you, the speed they can, the playmakers they have. I mean, think about Miami. Think about Seattle. He's played Seattle twice, once in the regular season, once in the playoffs. Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't really think he has had the kind of resistance that he's about to get on Sunday. I'm telling you, Jim Trotter. No, no, I can't you didn't say Dallas. No, I, you, you didn't say Dallas was going to win. You said Dallas was going to blow them out. Am yes, I sir. right? Okay. You're right. I'll, I'll see right. you next week. I'll I, see oh, you next I week. like that. I'll see you next week. It's like, it's like a boxing match. I'll see you next week then. We'll be there. I'll be there and weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. <laughs> Jason Johnson up next. <laughs> Been mutton and showing s***. I chose not to. 
But now I'm out here walking with the football team, picking up trash. But I'm mutting us. Man, get out of here, man. I should leave. I'm not even under contract doing this. I'm mutting us. Man, get out of here, man. They mutt me. These ain't even clean my damn office when I got here. I'm mutting y'all. Get your ass, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. All this here was trash in front of me. Who you think got this cleared out? That building right there got trash in it. It's fing trash. What are you talking about? I need no donors to come out and help out because people just want money. That's why I don't have, that's why I don't with social network. F out of here, man. Prime was not wrong about what he was saying. All y'all out there with y'all opinions full of crap, don't know shit. But needless to say, I just pulled up to work. Try to, um, we're going to try to help y'all too, man, because I know a lot of HBCs need help. I'm just here to help here first. I see it all too clearly. All our HBCs need help. HBCUs need help. And they need help because of the people who's running it. It's broken mentalities out here. I've been here for a week and a half. I've been here for a week and a half and have done more than people that have been here in freaking years. And I'm not even hired yet. Damn shame. I'll holler. <laughs> so uh, that is new Bethune-Cookman head coach uh, Ed Reed, I think, because you calling it, you calling out the school like that uh, before the first game is played. I wonder, uh, will he make it to the first game? But he's talking about all the issues that are happening at Bethune-Cookman, Dr. Jason Johnson. This got your attention. Uh, uh, tell us why it got your attention, Doc. You know that Chappelle so sketch where they're at Pop Copy? And he's like, he's like, <laughs> F all of you. And then join Pop Copy. That's what this made me think of. I am so sick and tired. As you guys can see behind me, I am on campus at Morgan State University, a wonderful HBCU where I am faculty at. I am sick and tired of these drive-by, fly-by-night political analysts, journalists, and now apparently former NFL-playing coaches who want to march into HBCUs, have been there for all the five minutes, and then attempt to lecture not only the school, the students, but the entire country on the almost 200-year history of historically black colleges and universities as if they know something because they walk through the quad. It's not just insulting what Ed Reed said, because it shows not only a lack of professionalism, but it shows a deeper level of disrespect that all too many African-American professional athletes have for HBCUs, the very schools that made it possible for their predecessors to get into the league to make opportunities mm. available for mm. them. 
I promise you he doesn't know the history of HBCUs. I promise you he's not as well studied as Eddie George who said, hey, part of the reason that we've had issues at my school is because they don't have land grant money. I'm sure that Ed Reed hasn't done a minimal level of research to be able to say what he said, which is why he had to go back and apologize. But I promise you that if he had gone to a small, low endowment, predominantly white institution, he wouldn't have dared say what he did. And that's the larger issue we have here. I'm happy to have a discussion about HBCUs. I'm happy to have that discussion with people who know things. But what I don't like is black athletes going back to HBCUs and claiming that they're saviors when they don't know the difference. This man, he look, he ain't too short. He ain't blown a whistle for one game or one play. So I think he might want to step back for a minute, even with his apology, and hit a book before he starts hitting social media. Jason, can I can I ask you how dangerous are his words and the words of Deion Sanders and why? How dangerous are they? They're, they're incredibly dangerous. They're incredibly dangerous, and here's why. One, you feed into the overall negative zeitgeist about HBCUs, when in fact the story of HBCUs has been improving. Since the Obama administration, it's not necessarily crediting Obama, but since the Obama administration, the last 10 or 15 years, you've had more HBCUs move into the black, move into solvency, increase HBCU numbers across the country. And I'm not just talking our Ivies. I'm not just talking Howard and Spellman and Hampton. I'm talking about Johnson C. Smith. I'm talking about Central. I'm talking about Morgan had one of the largest incoming classes the last couple of years. More and more African-American students and athletes are recognizing, especially with the NIL, that there are opportunities to be had here. So when you have these prominent athletes who are given a lot of attention, who have millions of social media followers, downing these institutions, claiming that these institutions are institutional failures without having much mm. institutional knowledge, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts fundraising. It hurts recruiting and it damages the reputation of the school that many other students are leaving and trying to sell when they go to jobs in the real world. Well, let me ask you both. Uh, uh, Doc Johnson, you are teaching at an HBCU. Jim Trotter, you're a proud graduate of the real HU, Howard <laughs> University. I love that. I love that little debate. I love that. And, 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 and by the way, it's by the way, Doc, Trotter is always, Trotter always says, Hey, we never had institute in our title. <laughs> I just no, no, I never said that. No, 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 no. Don't have to. Yeah, that was Weiss. That was Weiss. You Weiss. can't put that on me because I, I would never disrespect Hampton in that way. <laughs> but, I, but, but I do want to ask you guys this. Okay, it's all it's all fair. It's all fair um, to say, hey, what are these athletes doing, and why would they come out? You know, it's so disrespectful talking about things that they don't necessarily know the history of. Okay. How about the flip side? What what's in it for Bethune Cookman? Why why does Bethune Cookman reach out to Ed Reed as opposed to somebody else who may have more knowledge and more respect for what they're doing? Jackson State and Dion, uh, we've that's well-traveled ground, but a lot of these a lot of these schools are reaching out to these athletes who are not necessarily attuned to the greater mission. So why do you think that is? Well, if, if you're it's asking, money. And, and ahead, here's the thing. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong right. with hiring. We'll call it stunt casting, right? There's nothing. Look, that's how you got Steve Nash, 
right? Okay, there's nothing wrong with hiring former athletes and making the assumption that they make, maybe they could turn out to be decent coaches. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking somebody who's not that experienced and giving them an opportunity to teach young men and women who may be playing for them what the actual sport that they're trying to play in is like. There's nothing wrong with that. My issue is the disrespect. You have been offered a job and, 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 and so you're supposed to research the job before you go. For Ed Reed to say, oh, I'm here to save HBCUs. Dude, had you never visited campus? Had you never talked to students? Did you know what your budget was going to be? Did you know what your financial circumstances were going to be? Like, this is the guy who shows up and goes to Chick-fil-A and is like, yo, there's grease all over the place. What is with this? It's Chick-fil-A, bro. That's why you got the job, right? So if you know that Chick-fil-A is going to be filled with chicken grease and waffle fries, how are you going to go to an HBCU that has suffered through financial difficulties in the state and be shocked that some of the facilities are not up to your local, you know, up to your local orange theory? Chill out. Do some research before you start running your mouth. It's good for the school. It's also good for these athletes, but they need to show more respect. Look, the, the only time many of these athletes have ever been on an HBCU campus was when they went on a recruiting visit to PWIs and the PWIs brought them to an HBCU campus, making them believe that the culture was there, that it's okay if it's not on the PWI campus, they can get it here. When I was at, at Howard, Georgetown would bring his basketball recruits over to our place to, to be a part of the culture. And some of those players ended up marrying women from Howard. Um, after that, down at LSU, what do they do? They take their recruits down to Southern. Why? To be part of that culture and make them feel comfortable down there. So it happens. So, look, for me, what's happening here with administrations when they do this apart is, look, we live in a celebrity culture. And if a Deion Sanders or an Ed Reed, Hall of Fame guys who are out there in the public that we know well, the name recognition and whatnot, come to you and say, hey, I have an interest in coaching, as the doctor said, I'm okay with that. You know, but again, know what you're getting into. And then if you're truly there, like I get tired of hearing them say, we're here to help HBCUs. We want to save HBCUs. Well, then don't look, don't look at them as a stepping stone. Do what Larry Scott is doing at right. Howard, where he was offered a job at Alabama as the tight ends coach under Nick Saban. He said, you know what? Nah, I'm going to pass on that because I feel I have a greater calling here at Howard and I want to do something. And so he stayed at Howard instead of going to Alabama. Hmm. So that's like my that. point. Just, just, just be real about what it is. And, and as an HBCU, HBCU alum, I get tired of them looking at us at times, from what I hear, as stepping stones. I really do. There, there is something special if you've attended an HBCU. Um, there is something special about that university, right? I, I'm just telling you as someone who went and grew up going to predominantly white high schools and all of that. The minute I got on Howard's campus, man, I felt at home. It was just different, right? And there was that nurturing effect, and it helped me become a man, right? Not just become, mm. not just to graduate and all that, but helped me become a man and understand what the real world was about and people who had a vested interest in me succeeding in life as opposed to me just going through school and getting a degree. So I would say to Ed Reed and these other former players who may want to do it, understand that there is a larger calling when you go to these schools, at least from my vantage point. And I'm not saying that you can't go on to a PWI or a Power 5 school or whatnot, but just understand what you're getting into and how we view you and, and what your real purpose can be. Oh, well said, brother. Well said, uh, Trotter. Uh, before we go, uh, Doc Johnson, we just got a few, few seconds left. Uh, your, your take on Seattle's playoff game against San Francisco. 
I, you told me it was going to happen. I just wanted to just know how you saw it. <laughs> I, I mean, it, 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 it was a it was a beat down. It was a beat down. I've seen UFC competitions that, that were better than that. They were going to get beat down. The Seahawks are going to stay with Geno Smith. I'm very excited about that. They can continue to fight for a wild card spot for the next couple years because they're not going to end up being successful one way or another. And Brock Purdy is probably going to backstep, stumble his way all the way to a Super Bowl, which offends me deeply because, no. again, I cannot stand uh, Nepo coach Shanahan. But at the end of the day, I don't think that you can – I don't think anybody can beat – the San Francisco Golden State Warriors of the NFL. I don't even think the Eagles can do it as much as I'm in my Eagles green and I'm hoping for Jalen Hurts to go up there and beat Patrick Mahomes in the, in the NFL championship. See, I see. I love that line. You, you mm. get that line he had trying mm. to, he called him Nep, he called him Nepo coach uh, uh, Shanahan, oh. but that's like <laughs> the, NF, the NFL culture because uh, look at the front office, the ownership of San Francisco, family affair there, Dallas, Family affair. Mike Brown is the owner of the Bengals because his father, Paul Brown, founded the franchise. Like all across, <laughs> coaching staffs, uh, you know, uh, general yep. managers, ownership, like scouting, it's all over. That's America, I think. <laughs> Doc Johnson, great to see you, brother. NFL head coaches related to each other. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Guys. <laughs> Appreciate right, you, Doc. Uh, Jim, I want to say that uh, brother from another officially has a correspondent at tonight's Celtics Warriors game. Natalie is going to be yes. in Boston for Warriors yes. Celtics. I can't wait to hear what she has to say tomorrow about the atmosphere and the game itself. After the Warriors I know win, it's going to be thorough. It's going to be. Thorough. I'm not answering. I'm not checking my phone. <laughs> No, no, no. That's going to be intense. Trotter, always good to see you, brother. Enjoy San Francisco for that Dallas win, all right? <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.